The following is a paid presentation of Central Maine Healthcare. 99.5 WCME. Welcome to another edition of Central Maine Healthcare Close-Up on Radio Midcoast WCME. And today it's a return visitor to this uh, program. The program is still young enough that we haven't had many return visitors, but we have one today well known to many here on the Midcoast because he practices out of Topsom Family Medicine in Topsom, of course, and he is a family medicine practitioner, Dr. David Salco. And David, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. I want to start with you uh, the same way I always start, and we've done it with you once before, so you've had kind of a a dress rehearsal. Just tell everybody uh, how it was uh, that you came to take an interest in healthcare and became a doctor in the first place. It's a good story. I definitely had influence from my family. Uh, My father was a family physician, and we grew up in a rather small town in northeast Pennsylvania. So I had exposure um, even at a very young age of probably just a few years old going out to house calls with him, um, seeing how he cared for people on house calls. And then, you know, eventually as I got older, I considered it as as a career to be able to work with people, to take care of them and appreciate their challenges in health and move them along on a positive course. So um, I had a good mentor, and uh, I'll always appreciate that. What a spiritual reward as well as uh, more material rewards, right? Oh, yes. And how did you make your way to Maine? Uh, That's another good story. As I got uh, involved with uh, the love of my life, my wife, we decided we wanted a bit of an adventure, and heading north to Maine seemed like a good option. I did my residency down at uh, Maine Medical Center in Portland. And then after that, I did transition back to Pennsylvania to work with my father for, um, I call it a fellowship in family medicine, where we got to experience uh, nursing home care, um, hospital care, uh, office care, all levels of care. And then we really decided as a family, my wife and I, that Maine was the place we wanted to be, as a place we wanted to raise our kids. And uh, we moved back in uh, 2000 seven just before my third child was born and uh so now i can date how long i've been here by my son james who will be 14 this year 14 years that's more than uh, passing through pretty pretty soon they won't be able to say you came from away anymore even though uh, you did even though i did our uh, designated subject uh today on central maine healthcare close-up is uh, summer uh health issues and advisories and uh, we're going to deal with uh, what I would say is still the leading summer health uh, issue, even though it has been a health issue in all other seasons as well, and that would be COVID-19. And as I was saying to uh, David Salco before we uh, started recording this program today, every time it seems that COVID-19 might be slipping away as a topical uh, issue, we get a, a slap-in-the-face reminder of some kind that it's still a very current concern. And uh, actually, just a few minutes before we started recording this program on uh, Friday afternoon, we got a, a news release from the Brunswick school system that a decision has been made to continue current masking requirements on school property. The superintendent saying that this decision stems from the continued health risks of the various COVID variants, the size and scope of the various summer programs, and because a large majority of the students served are not able to be 
vaccinated. And David, I just ask you, where are you on uh, COVID-19? You tell me that a lot of people still uh, raise it as an issue to you. Oh, I agree. This is the greatest medical thing that has happened. Uh, And it's not just Maine. It's not just the United States. This is worldwide. Um, And to have this amount of a stage for it, it draws all the attention. Um, And it has for a long time, both in the media and in our homes. People have had questions with neighbors, family, and friends. And I get daily uh, numerous questions within the office. So when governing bodies, things like the school or our state, they do a very good job at looking at all the data and looking at all the angles. A lot of the the decisions that they do make are regarding safety. So what is the safest thing to do? Um, We also have to balance that with uh, how we move on with our lives and how we care for ourselves with the attention of caring for others. So you will see that masking mandates have changed and that is variable in different areas. I can tell you that within the office, I still mask um, and we ask patients and staff to mask because it is safer. Um, We know that there's good evidence that masks are supportive to that. And we know that it's an outward symbol of saying that you are there protecting yourself and others. Uh, Vaccination, that's there too as a protective mechanism, but there are some reasons and sometimes people cannot do a vaccine. Uh, age being number one, especially for school-age kids, the vaccines are only allowable for those 12 and older, uh, the Pfizer vaccine. And um, you know, certain medical conditions, there may be concerns for having the vaccine completed. So there are reasons, but we know, we know the levels of safety things that we can do. We can mask, we can wash our hands, we can social distance. We've learned all this over the last year and a half. And now we can have vaccine for you know the majority of people. Maine has done a great job in terms of vaccinating the populace and reaching some levels of community immunity, where if you have a group of people that are majority immunized and the virus drops into that grouping, it will not spread as quickly or as fast. Uh, so we've seen a lot of changes. I anticipate that people will still be cautious and we will hear from both sides. We'll hear from people who want to release all the rules and we'll hear many reasons why people want to maintain rules and guidance and safety and precautions. We have to have both those voices at the table so we can come out with the best possible options for everybody. We're going to move on to some uh, other more traditional uh, summer health issues here But I think I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, how worried are you about the much-talked-about Delta variant that apparently, at least in a lot of places, it has shown up in Maine a little bit, we are told. I think the number of cases is still in the single digits, but it's here. Uh, And I I hear that, uh, in general, it is the uh, largest cause of new COVID-19 cases. Yes, so Maine does a really good job at detecting and monitoring for variants. So we know what is here and how that's sequenced if anybody listens to Dr. Shaw and their press releases. Um, We also know, too, that worldwide the variant is there. Um, I, you know, discuss this with people in terms of being precautious. It is more infectious and it may be more of a dangerous strain. We do feel that the vaccine does have protection against it, so we would still maintain that being vaccinated uh, is an advantage, uh, whether it's a normal or the Delta variant. Um, So in seeing how other 
countries progress with it, we know that Maine and likely the U.S. is ahead in its ability to vaccinate the population. So whether a variant comes or not, the more people vaccinated and the more people that follow the guidance will ultimately mean that there's less of a spread of a variant like this. It doesn't mean it won't spread, but we'll be more protected. Okay, let's uh, move on to uh, something else that's uh, quite topical. Over the uh, past week, as you know, doctor, you have probably sweated it out along with the rest of us, at least at certain moments. We've had quite the uh, heat and humidity stretch. Heat stroke, heat exhaustion are always uh, summer problems. Are, uh, Are there any signs that we're experiencing that to a greater extent uh, this summer? And what would you tell people about avoiding this? I can tell you that as being here in Maine, we do see weather variability for sure. We get our few hot days, and those are days where uh, the kids might ask me, why don't we have an air conditioner? (laughs) And I usually laugh and say, we live in Maine. Um, But being protective of the heat and what's going on, I think we're probably more familiar with what we might know as the wind chill or the freezing index. Oh, yeah. Um, But there is that equivalent for heat, the heat index. If you go on weather apps, you'll see, you know, the temperature is 90, but it feels like 98. Heat and humidity combine to create some complications for us. We here at WCME, just because you brought it up this week, we were talking about not only the real temperature, but the heat index, just as a public service. So in, in knowing that, when heat does come, uh, you know, we worry mostly from a primary care standpoint about the elderly, that they may be a little bit more at risk for uh, heat exhaustion or heat-related illnesses. Um, heat stroke being the most severe of that, where you experience an increased core body temperature, you have a lack of the ability to cool yourself at that time, and you can also have uh, central nervous system problems, uh, be it a seizure or confusion. So the extreme of that would always require some emergency support for hydration and cooling. What we might be more familiar with are things like dehydration or some simple heat exhaustion. Uh, I can think of scenarios where someone's out mowing their grass and it's 95 degrees and humid. They're going to fatigue more quickly than they might expect. They're going to feel tired. They're going to sweat. They're going to need to be in a cool space and hydrate. Um, I do discuss with people after the fact, sometimes they may even feel nauseous, lightheaded, dizzy, things like that may happen due to the dehydration and the heat effect on their body. So ways to kind of prevent or to prepare for that. You know, if you have hotter days, stay well hydrated. Take breaks, drink liquids, get inside, get in the shade every once in a while. And we we often forget that, uh, do we not? Simple hydration can uh, solve a lot of problems in advance. Yes, uh, especially when considering uh, athletes or kids that are playing sports and running around we'll often ask them to prehydrate. If you know you have a game tomorrow and it's going to be super hot, start drinking the night before. You know, uh, runners are really good at this and other endurance athletes are really good at prehydration so that you know that your tank is full going into whatever it is you're going to be doing. I've learned a new word today. I knew hydrate. I knew dehydrate. I never heard of prehydrate until now. And I never thought, by the way, David, that I ever would hear a doctor say, start drinking the night before. But in this context, it makes perfect sense. That's I gotta correct, say. yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, perhaps a cousin of, of what we're talking about now, sunburn and sun poisoning, also a risk. And I ask you, if people uh, tend to have a false 
sense of security because we're so northerly here and we generally don't burn as quickly as they do down south. When you think about the sun exposure that Maine gets year-round, it probably is not as significant nearly as what Florida and our southern friends get. But being here in Maine, the bright sun, uh, you can even talk to skiers because they get some reflection off the the white powder. But the same as off water, you can uh, experience an enhanced uh, amount of sun exposure. The acute exposures for sunburn uh, without protection, that can lead to an immediate problem that the skin gets red and irritated, sometimes blisters if it's severe. Um, And also the long-term effect of that, the more damage we do to the skin, the more likely it is we have changes in possibly pre-cancers or cancers of the skin uh, decades later. So protecting ourselves from the sun is, is a good thing to do. When you are going to go out or be in the peak sun, which may be between you know, 10, 11 a.m. in the morning all the way to 2 in the afternoon, those strongest rays of the sun, wearing clothing, protective clothing would provide good protection and also sunscreen. We recommend that a lot for people that are going to be out and possibly if they're out longer, a reapplication. What I find sometimes people forget or may not do is they'll get to the beach, have everything set up, and then apply their sunscreen. It does take a little bit of time for the sunscreen to actually have an effect, a blocking effect of the sun's radiation. So applying it before, 20 minutes to half an hour before you're in the sun, uh, will make it more effective. If you apply it right then and there, you may get 20 minutes of burning exposure before you have the opportunity for protection. Yeah, that's something I don't think uh, we think very much about often is pre-application of sunscreen. What would you say to uh, swimmers? We have a bunch of those, one of whom uh, is myself. We see a fair number of drownings every year. What should we be thinking about there? A lot of the summer fun that we have in and around water, um, I know that we are possibly going to talk about 4th of July as we have coming up and and fireworks. A lot of these things we, we would term about thinking about safety. So around water, especially younger kids that might not have as much uh, experience with swimming, especially in the ocean where we have waves, water, currents, undertoes, um, safety is is really important. Going to a beach where there is lifeguard uh, available or having an adult supervision, someone that is a good, strong swimmer, um, not leaving children uh, unobserved around the water is a good idea, especially the younger they are. It does not take a lot of water for someone to choke a little bit and possibly have a, a bad experience. But I guess in this case, I would say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If you're prepared for what's going to happen and you're prepared for those situations, everybody can have fun, but also take the appropriate precautions to prevent those accidents. I want to ask you uh, one question that arises from my personal experience, but I'm sure uh, there are others out there uh, wondering about the uh, same thing. I'm an ocean swimmer. I love it. It's one of my favorite things about Maine. I haven't done much of it lately just because I haven't had a lot of time, but uh, I really love ocean swimming, and I don't mind at all how cold it is. I find cold water very invigorating. takes a moment to adapt, but you know, it's just an amazingly invigorating, energizing experience. But is there any danger, uh, potential danger, associated with just kind of diving headfirst into an ocean full of cold water? Yes. Yeah, so um, having done a polar plunge before myself, 
you realize you're getting into something that might potentially be hazardous if you've done this as any part of a fundraising event or otherwise uh, in the winter, you have to sign a waiver. And, and certainly there's precautions in there. We, we know we hit cold water. We can cause a reaction that will cause our heart rate to slow down. And, and that's an immediate impact from hitting cold water. And that could affect people. Certainly if you're trying to swim or you're in deeper water or something like that, that could cause an effect. So people with significant heart conditions or on medications, they might want to be cautious about tempering into the water, getting their body slowly walking into it so that they can adjust to the temperature. Never had a heart problem, but I am certainly much older now than I was when I first started doing this. And I, I would presume that just the aging factor could create a, a natural greater risk on some level. Yes, certainly we can work on age as being a risk factor, but I don't think it would ultimately be prohibitive to people enjoying that kind of activity. Well, that's good to hear because I really like it. And I've uh, enjoyed talking to you again today, David. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Dr. David Salco is a uh, family medicine uh, specialist uh, working out of uh, Topsom Family Care, which, of course, is a part of the uh, Central Maine health care system. I'm Jim Blykamp. Hope you'll uh, be here again next week at this same time for more health talk, more health information on Central Maine Healthcare Close-Up on Radio Midcoast WCMA.